Take your Bibles and turn to Romans, Romans in chapter 12. Title of the message is Overcoming Evil with Good. Overcoming Evil with Good. Romans chapter 12. If you'll look at verse number 14, Romans 12, 14, and we'll read a few verses here down to 21. Romans 14, 12, if you'll follow along as I read. Rejoicing in hope, I'm sorry, verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Verse number 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, tremendous challenge from the word of God. Everything that goes against our nature, it seems, Father, is what the Bible teaches against. Those things that come easy and natural for us. New life in Christ, new hearts, new minds, transformed by Jesus Christ. It's a different life. It's a different command. It's a different way. I pray, Father, as we see this passage, that we look at, Father, with such difficulty in some ways we pray God that you would just challenge our hearts through it in Jesus name we ask it amen the theme for the year is draw me nearer overcome evil with good I would dare say we either overcome or we are overcome one of the two is going to happen in your life you're going to overcome evil with good or you are going to be overcome by such a thing. Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Boy, what a great statement. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that? Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It's amazing how the world has such a hold in our lives. Of course, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're, we're now members of a new world. We have new, new orders. We have a new path. And I will tell you that the path goes against the old path. Temptations are always coming to us. Satan has one thing in mind for your life. That's destroy it. If he can't destroy your life, he'd like to destroy your influence. He'd like to destroy your family. He'd, he, he, he's always in the destruction business of the Christian. Why? He hates God. And anything that's of God, he's going to destroy He's going to do everything he can to destroy it. When you look around our world, what do we see? We see the destruction of anything that is right and holy and decent. Who's the father of that? Satan is. He's, he's so desires to destroy, and he certainly desires to destroy 
our lives. We have a battle with evil in this sin-cursed world. Overcoming with good is the weapon that God has given to us. Overcoming evil, what? With good. That's, so how are you going to overcome it? Goodness. The things that seem to be pitfalls, all the, the evil things that you see coming, we need to overcome those things in our lives especially with good things. Our natural behavior is to overcome evil with what? Evil. Yeah, that's the natural thing. I mean, somebody rear-ends your car. I mean, you just want to pull forward about 15 feet and back up as fast as you can and see what kind of damage you can do to his, right? Overcome evil with evil. Or to, better yet, turn around and just hit him head on, right? Just, you know, rah. We, uh, I see signs on the freeway, you know, about um, basically about road rage, especially when you get into Illinois. They, they may have some problem with that in Illinois. Iowa, you never see signs like that. We don't, we don't have that problem here. But uh, it was going into Illinois, there's all these signs about road rage and whatnot. And, uh, and, and they need the signs, I think. Uh, but it's a natural thing to evil for evil. Um, you don't have to teach that. How many ladies work in the nursery, lift up your hand, that you know that you don't have to teach a child to have evil for evil, right? If, if one child picks up the toy, it automatic, automatically is the favorite toy. And if you, if that child, some child takes that toy away from another, we got a problem on our hands. It doesn't take much time for a child to realize, don't mess with me. You take my toy, you'll pay. And, and so, it, and our toys just get bigger, right? And so we, we find ourselves, this is just the nature of man, is that there is evil for what? For evil. You take from me, I'm going to take from you. That's our nature. That's the way we are. Even in the animals, you, you put a pony in a pasture with horses, that pony's going to have his way, right, Don? Oh, Yeah. That pony is, is, learns very, very rapidly. He's outsized, but his shortness is in his advantage when he starts kicking. And so you find that sometimes a little pony can rule the roost because his evil is, is more evil than the horse. He's got a, he's got a disposition that is uh, not like a horse. If you know much about horses and ponies, you understand that a lot of times you can't tame a pony like you can, t like, like you can break a horse. Ponies more difficult. They just have a natural disposition of throwing you off them. I bought my sons, I think it was three ponies. I got them, I had to buy them all to get one, right? So I had my two older boys and I bought I bought these ponies. Kept them at a friend's house. Well, my friend is taller than me, different build, and he was more uh, short-legged and large body. And um I had this stud pony, and oh man, he was beautiful, beautiful to look at, just beautiful pony. And uh, my friend just, I could ride him, he was just an animal. I mean, he was, he was so nasty, I couldn't put the boys on him because they were, they were too young to, and he was so mean. And I would ride him, my buddy, he'd jump on it, and that pony would just take off, just man, he was fast. And this guy probably weighed 200 pounds on this pony, it was something to see. And he's, he's long upper body, right? And then you know what would happen. Ponies at full tilt, and then all of a sudden, 
projectile, big man off pony. What is it? Those ponies know how to do evil for evil. You're going to ride on my back. I'm going to make you pay for this, big man. Some, something's going to give. Something's going to break. Of course, he jumped right back on and do it all over again. That was even funnier. What is it? They we naturally have a, even in the animal kingdom, we have this tit-for-tat kind of mentality in the animals. No Christian will ever overcome evil by returning evil for evil. God tells us to what? Overcome evil with good. No Christian is ever going to make that work to do evil for evil. You have a fire, and you want to put it out, right? Can we all agree that maybe throwing gas on the fire is not going to put the fire out? Amen? You say, well, of course not. What's it going to do? It's going gonna, it's gonna to inflame it even greater. So evil for evil is kind of that way. You don't get, the, you don't get it out by pouring gas on it. Uh, so th this is, it's a, it's, it really is an accurate illustration because it just makes the fire much greater than it was, throwing gas upon the fire. It's evil, it's throwing something on the fire that you know is going to make it worse. Many lives are ruined by returning of evil for evil. How the policemen that are here today, how many times are you involved with things, Tyler, that is just one evil act was followed by another that, that was in retaliation for the evil act, whether it be in a home that you've been called to or whether it's an accident or whatever it is, I would dare say that a lot of times the greater crimes are committed after something happened. Somebody did something and then something did something greater. Somebody took a shot at somebody, then a whole bunch of somebody's come and do a lot more shooting. But this, the idea of evil for evil, people wind up, unfortunately, in prison doing evil for evil. Many marriages have been destroyed by evil for evil. And it's just a natural thing for us. We're going to defend ourselves. We're going to make sure that my way is, is the way that is understood. And so now we all have to have our opinions and we have to make our way. How many things are destroyed by an evil for evil mentality? Evil for evil is a natural reaction. We got this from our dear friend Adam. And it causes much regret in our lives. And we've all been there. We've all done that. And we all understand the damage it can do. Some greater than others. How many families didn't have Christmas together this year? Let's just face it. A lot of them. A lot of them. How many relatives... You know, it would be this family or this family or that family doesn't ever get together with the rest of us. And generally, there's something that happens sometimes, something that was said. Sometimes it's very, very small, and sometimes it's not. But generally, it winds up as things that happen as a result of evil for evil. Pastor, why should a person not suffer who has caused me to suffer? It's right there in the Bible, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So why shouldn't, why shouldn't they receive the natural recompense for what they've done? We have an eye for an eye, and we have a scriptural principle here of eye for an eye. 
I would remind you very rapidly that you and I are not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Jesus Christ says, don't return evil for evil. He calls us to a higher standard. He calls us to a higher level. It's not just the natural reactions of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Evil for evil is not what we should obviously be doing. Evil, evil for good is like Satan. Tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Cost them and us eternally. Most of which will wind up in hell as a result of it. Remember what Satan did to Job? Took all his wealth. Took everything. Killed his children. The man who was the most respected man, the wisest perhaps man, the man that God, God was blessing the most was this man named Job. This is a man that came to the Lord every morning and prayed for his children, offered sacrifice for his children. He was a good man if there ever was one. He eschewed evil, the Bible says. God allowed Satan. Satan tempted, didn't tempt God, but came to God and said, Will you let me, you let me tempt Job? You'll see how this man will fall. And so we know the story of Job, how Satan, of course, took everything he had. And still the Bible says that Job did not lose his integrity towards his God, did not curse God. His wife said he should, but he didn't. But this was a man that was suffering a good man, and he was suffering evil. That's, that's Satan's work. Suffering, a good man suffering for the evil because he brought this evil to him. He brought it to Adam and Eve first, and then he brings it to Job. We see this man, Job, that stood strong for the Lord. Of course, God gave him everything that was taken back. Obviously, you can't replace children. But God did give him more children, 10 more children. Made him wealthier than he ever was. But he stood strong against Satan. But what does Satan do? Satan will do evil against even that which is good. We look at uh, the man Saul and all the good that David brought to this man Saul. It's just all the things that David did. Of course, he killed Goliath to start with and, and saved the nation. But all the, the good, remember Saul would have him come in and play his harp and he would hear the music and it would bring peace to him because he'd be a troubled soul and it would bring peace to him through the playing of David's harp. David was loyal to Saul, loved Saul. And yet we find Saul doing that which Satan does and that's he brought evil to a man that brought him good. This is the nature and the work of Satan is to bring evil to those that are good. And he wants to bring it into your life. He longs to destroy your life. He longs to bring you heartache. We see this man, Moses. He's led the children of Israel by the hand of God out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and just dried up and they walked across it. All the miracles they saw in this man, Moses, but yet when the least trouble came to them. They very quickly, all the good that Moses had brought to their lives, delivered from bondage and slavery of, of Egypt, and yet very quickly, they were attacking Moses, Joseph, and his brethren. They were fearing that he would kill them after Jacob died the father. After all he had done to spare those lives, and fed them, and all he had done and had love for them. 
But after the father died, they were in such great fear. After all he had done, they still were in fear that, that, he would, that he would kill them because of what they had done to him. They did not understand that the heart of Joseph was not like theirs. The heart of Joseph was not the heart of Satan. He was not going to do the evil to them that they had done to him. There's many stories in the Bible where we see evil for good. Number two, good for good is manlike. Good for good. Um, a, day's, a day's pay for a day's work, right? I worked and you paid me. So it's, there's equality there. I received something. It's, it's an equality of service for pay. Perhaps it's a friend and you, you bought dinner last time. Let me pay this time. Uh, you're a friend to me. And uh, so we have these relationships that are based in some equality of good for good. You did good for me and I do good for you. Um, it's not necessarily an agreement, but that is somewhat the way we make friends and the way we have relationship is, is this relationship of good for good. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's another relationship. We have evil for good and then we have good for good. And that's something that we are very accustomed to is doing being good to each other and it's a good it's it's it is a good thing it's not a bad thing to be good to one another it's not a bad thing to reciprocate somebody that's done well by you and you get an opportunity to do something for them you do it so there's there's good for good and that's the way most of us operate is on the good for good number three there's another good and it's good for evil in other words, evil comes to you and you give good for evil. So we have Satan-like, we have man, and then we have good for evil, and that's like Christ. That's the command of the Bible that we were to be like him and to recompense no man evil for evil, but provide things honest in the sight of all men. Good for evil is like Jesus Christ. We think of a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. All this time, this ministry of Jesus Christ, Judas has been one of his disciples. All along this whole entire time, we realize that Judas was treated like everybody else. Judas was beloved by our Lord. Judas was treated well by our Lord. He received nothing but goodness at the hand of Christ. I suppose his disciples got sick like everybody else did, perhaps. Perhaps Judas had even been healed by the Lord during his sickness during those three, three and a half years that he was with him. He knew that Judas, who of course was, was taking care of the money, he knew that Judas was a thief. He knew that Judas would betray him. He knew all this about Judas during all this time, yet we see how Christ treated Judas, even knowing what Judas would do. He treated him in a Christ-like way. We see Judas, even at the Lord's Supper, is, the time is approaching when he's going to betray the Lord, and the Lord obviously knows this, even speaks that one of you here will betray me. And yet when he says it, what does he do? We find that he is washing the feet of Judas Iscariot who just in hours is going to betray him. 
He's doing good, knowing what evil is coming him, coming to him through Judas Iscariot. The cross is going to come, cross that he knows he's going to, but it, it's going to be paved. The way is going to be made through this man, Judas Iscariot. And yet he does good by a man that is going to betray him to those that are going to crucify him. We find him as he's arrested in a man by the name of Malchus, not a well-known character of the Bible, but he's a man that's arresting Jesus Christ, and he's known because Peter, who was with Christ, took his sword and took a swipe at Malchus and cut off his ear. Now, I think we can all agree that the intention probably was not his ear. If I had a sword and I was trying to take off somebody's ear, I don't think that would be the purpose I had in mind. So I'm guessing that Malchus probably ducked when he saw it coming and lost an ear in the process, but I think he probably was shooting for, for a little lower target, you might say, than the ear. But what did Christ do in response to that? The man that's coming to arrest him? The man that's going to be responsible for taking him to the crucifixion? The arresting officer, so to speak, is Malchus. What does Christ do? He heals the ear. He puts it back on. He's completely healed. Can you imagine? That was, that was probably tough on Malchus to, to take him and, and now knowing, oh, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine the pain of just having your ear whacked off by Peter and then just have it just completely restored instantly by the Lord Jesus Christ? I would dare say that was a life that was changed right there. Like, whoa, how did that happen? I went from intense pain and bleeding to as if it never happened by the hand of God who brought evil to the one that brought him, I mean, gave good to one who brought him evil. The thieves who were mocking him. But when one of the thieves said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, one thief said that to him. Did the Lord in return mock him and say, listen, bud, you mocked me. Like, come down from that cross if you truly be the son of God. All the people that were mocking. And yet we find the Lord Jesus Christ as when he asked him, would you remember me when you come to thy kingdom? Today shall thou be with me in paradise. He could have mocked him back. But this is not what Christ does. He does good for evil. Oh man, I'm glad he does good for evil. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. And we have a Savior because of our sin, because of who we are. And the evil that we have done in our lives, he brings to us eternal life and salvation. Many, many people Jesus healed, fed. Yet when he's on a cross, he literally there is, I believe, five ladies there at the cross with him. They all gone by the wayside, all the people. Can you imagine the thousands of people that we know that Jesus Christ fed? You would have thought they would have been at his defense. The thousands that he healed, surely they would be there at the crucifixion and demand that he not be crucified. Surely his disciples would be there and demand that he not be crucified and they'd stand with him. But he stood literally with the ladies that came. His mother, of course, are there. 
But yet the Bible says the disciples all, disciples all left him. And yet we find that his reaction to his disciples is putting them into the ministry, giving them authority to do miracles and great power with the Holy Spirit. And the men that turned the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ, he did not bring them to evil because of the abandonment that he suffered after all the goodness they had seen in him, all the things that they knew of Christ, and yet he's still abandoned, but we don't find that Jesus Christ did evil. I'm sorry, evil for evil. He did good to these men and in their lives. Abandon. How do we overcome this? He overcame evil with good. The command of the New Testament in our life is to overcome evil with good. The natural thing for us is evil for evil. It's just natural. Jimmy, somebody's, I'm sure it happens, not often, but on occasions, you probably, you probably don't get paid occasionally. And I would dare say that people sometimes that haven't paid come back to you for work and want you to work in their car again. Everybody in the room is going to have that happen. You're going to do something for a neighbor, and you're going to find that maybe that neighbor's never, when you're in a bind, they're, they're, maybe they're, they're not going to come through for you. Maybe they will. But let's be people that do good in spite of whether they do or they don't. If a man does us wrong, we don't avenge him, we forgive him. Sincerely pray diligently. Sincerely pray diligently for those that you may think are your enemies. Pray for them. Give your, give, love them. Pray for them. Send them gifts, the Bible tells us, right? It does say it's like pouring hot coals on their head, but don't do it for that purpose. It may, it may, they may react to it that way. But do good to those that do evil to you. Love them even if they despise you. Pray for them. Pastor, it won't make any difference. Oh, yes, it will. It'll make a big difference in your life. You can't change anybody else's attitude, but you can change your life by being obedient to Christ and not returning evil for, I'm sorry, evil for evil, but good for evil. The grace of God brings us great joy and blessing when we behave like the Lord Jesus Christ. You give God a chance to bless you. You give God a chance to be good to you. God loves the praises of his people and the prayers of his people. And obedience to the word of God is always what God is looking for. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Our Lord, our master, our leader, that's what he did. He was our example, is to overcome with the goodness. Let us be people that rise above good for good. Let us rise above evil for evil. Let us overcome evil with good.
The Lord Jesus Christ, in spite of our sin, in spite of all we've done against him, offers us salvation, a free gift of salvation. Do you know why it's so difficult for people to receive it? It's because in our pride, we realize we don't deserve it. We're not going to let God give us this gift. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going I'm to do my own good works, and my own good works are going to be enough. Your evil will overcome it. Believe me, we're all sinners. And there won't be any sinners in heaven. And the only way you're going to get there is you understand that there is someone that died for those sins. And he offers you a free gift. And the only thing that's going to overcome your sin is going to be the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Let's be people that are like the Savior. Do we all find us guilty of these passages? I dare say all of us do. That's fair, isn't it? Don't we a lot of times have evil thinking at bare minimum over somebody that has done evil to us? But God is telling us to follow the Savior and bring good to those that do us evil. Bring love to those. These are the command of our Lord. This is the example of our Lord. And it is a tall order for us because our nature is evil for evil. Let's be people that have overcome that. Let's think about doing good to those who have done us wrong, as did our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In spite of your sin, he offers you heaven absolutely free. He died on the cross. It's free to you. He gave his life to give you salvation. Do good. Trust him. Accept the gift it's paid for. Don't let your place in heaven be vacant because Jesus Christ has it available for you. Be there. Take your spot. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He overcame all of evil by the goodness, perfection of life, sinless life, death on the cross, offers you salvation. Christians, he offers us, commands us to rise above our nature. It's just who we are. We're sinners. Evil for evil suits us real good, and we like it. But let's, let's move out of that. Let's move forward. We want to draw nearer to our Lord. We have to step closer to him by in obedience to his word. Hard stuff for all of us. Because our nature says, tit for tat. You did this, so I'll return this. Of course, Christ comes to us in a whole different way, a way that he made, a way that he showed us. Let's be followers of Christ. Let's all stand together, every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Just right where you're at right now. Overall, I would say we all find ourselves guilty of this. Just right where you're at. Right now, if the Lord's laid it on your heart, just in your mind, in your heart, just silently pray to God right now. Whatever God's laid on your heart, just ask him. 
pray to him. Ask him for help in your life. This morning, perhaps you and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Please accept this gift that is given to you, no matter how evil you've done or how wicked you think you are. God will give you good for evil. And the good is salvation. And it just doesn't get any better than salvation. It is a free gift that he offers you. And there's nothing in exchange other than that you put your faith in him. In other words, you believe that he is the son of God. You believe that he did come, was born, the Virgin Mary. That he lived a sinless life as God and man. And he died on the cross for your sins. The sinless Holy Son of God that came from heaven died in your place, was crucified. And then believing that he did not stay in that grave, but he came out of the tomb and he rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. And he offers you eternal life with him. And because he has risen, we can to rise also. And someday when you die, you'll be with Christ in heaven. By simply accepting the gift of salvation, that's why he came, to give you something that you didn't earn, to give you something beyond what you gave him. We gave him sin, and he gives us righteousness. The sinless God gives us righteousness. The sinless God took on our unrighteousness when he died on the cross for our sins. He died for our sins. He took on our sins so that he could give to us the righteousness that we've received through Christ. Take the righteousness that he offers you. He's taken your sins on the cross. Take, the, take it. Receive it. Don't leave home without, don't leave here without it. Don't leave church without Christ in your heart. Receive the gift. We'll have an invitation song that will be sung. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, Just come quickly.